A Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show presented by Maxis Tires, Renthal, Motosport.com, and Kuba Links on RacerXOnline.com. With your continued support of our sponsors, we have surpassed 1,700 podcasts delivered with over 17 million downloads. Click that Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out. Donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who support us. Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Fly Racing Racer X Podcast with Roger DeCosta and then uh, Brady Sharon. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it. Really, really happy to get Raj on the show. I haven't had him on a podcast for a long time. So, um, yeah, good things should be uh, coming from Roger DeCoster. So, thank you to folks at Fly Racing, whether it's Brayton or Osborne or Savachi or Bogle or you name it, Kevin Morans, tons of privateer guys as well. Uh, you have the uh, Jalik Swole, Fly Racing Rockstar Gear, uh, RJ Hampshire. Yeah, you know the names. Formula Helmet, uh, it's really safe. It's really quiet. It's really lightweight. And the guys at, uh, F- at Fly Racing have put a lot of technology into this helmet, like the Rion technology. And uh, please check it out if you're in the market for the absolute best, safest helmet out there. Flyracing.com. Go to Motorsport uh, and uh, check out the line from Fly Racing, man. Really appreciate those guys coming on board with us. And uh, they got the Zone Pro goggle that they've been really been pushing this year. So if you haven't checked out Fly, because, I don't know, maybe a long time ago you didn't like the way it looked or you didn't like the way it feels, well... Stuff's really, really good now, and uh, it's really awesome. So please uh, think of Fly next time you want to um, get some gear or helmets or, or boots or gloves or whatever it is. They got watercraft stuff. Uh, they got snowmobile stuff, uh, hard parts. Yeah, flyracing.com. Thank you to Motorsport. Thank you to Cobolinks also, and uh, thank you to Renthal. More championships than all the other brands combined. Renthal's award-winning technology. How's your bike working really well, whether it's sprockets and chains or bars, grips, uh, the Fat Bar 36, of course, introduced uh, about a year and a half ago or so, done really well. The Fat Bar itself is crossbarless, and then you got the Twin Wall Bar, which blew everybody's minds back in the day, and they still make the old 7-8s bar, Renthal.com. Uh, please check those guys out if you're in the market for one of those things that they make. They'll do uh, amazing things to your motorcycle. Fraction of a second, a few grams, a couple of millimeters, it all counts. Welcome to the winning world of Renthal. Thank you as well to Maxis Tires, SGB Maxis Kawasaki team, A-Ray, Jeremy Smith, Rod Bell, Jordan Jarvis hopefully soon. MXSTs are what they run, and those that tire was developed by the great Jeremy McGrath. And please check that out at Maxxis.com. Mountain bike tires, light truck tires, trailer tires. Maxis will have you covered for all tires for all things and they support the sport through that uh, maxis sgb team and through this podcast and much other uh things out there so maxis.com uh for more information on that thank you to Cobolinks. thank you to motorsport as well you'll hear a little bit more about those guys later here's uh red bull ktm husqvarna gas gas uh, team manager not team manager a team uh 
director of racing, let's say. He's really important. It's Roger DeCoster. And then after that, Brady Sharon, former pro racer, uh, part owner of, uh, co-owner, I should say, of Atlas Brace, will come on and talk about that new vision brace that you'll see Phil Nicoletti wearing, as long as, uh, along with Dylan Wright, Tanner Ward, other riders like that. The sort of inspiration behind that, neck braces in general, and more. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the show. And now, as promised, on the uh, podcast, one of the all-time legends of the sport, doing a great job over there with all things KTM, Husqvarna, and Gas Gas. It's Roger DeCoster. What's up, Rog? How's it going, man? Oh, it's, it could could be better. <laughs> you know, we had a great Supercross season, but we started off pretty bad on the, on the Nationals. Yeah, what, um, what's been going on? What, how, how do you fix this? Um, yeah, I... Obviously, if I knew, <laughs> I would already have fixed it. But, but um, yeah, we we in a slump. We, um, I think we we got lost with the with the settings. Mm-hmm. Maybe one mistake that we uh, made uh, is we uh, we stayed focused on Supercross. We did not do anything. We did not have the guys ride any Supercross until. That season was completely finished. Right. In other years, we usually start a little bit early. Um, during the last couple uh, supercrosses, we already work on and have them ride right. uh, some outdoor. And this year, the, situa- the way the situation was, we felt it was uh, better to keep focused on supercross and not not get derailed because it mm-hmm. was pretty close and. And uh, yeah, so <clears throat> maybe um, another mistake that we are making is that uh, uh, we may be too open to to chance settings for the for our riders mm-hmm. when when uh, they don't do well, and um, you know we 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 try to chance immediately and and. And may, maybe we uh, change too quick, and sure. instead of uh, spending more time on 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 what they had chosen to begin with, mm. uh, they seem to they seem to uh, many times go back to older settings. Right. You know, they try something and they feel, oh, it's great, and and then you go to the race with it, and it's not so great. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you've been around long enough where. You know, sometimes these guys, you have to do stuff to their bike just to, you know, m- sort of make them happy. But ultimately, they got to look in the mirror. But if you tell them that, if you tell them you got to look in the mirror and ride better, you almost lose them mentally, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah it, it, it's tough, and uh, they they're so good riders. You know, as far as what they can do on a bike is. It's pretty amazing, you know, yeah. what what, yeah. what they can do when you see how much power these bikes have and and what they can do with it is mm-hmm. is impressive. But on the on the testing and setting up their bike, that's that's where they're not so good in 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 this generation. And right, and yeah, it's uh, maybe too many things available and and <laughs> the teams. I think it's not just my team. I think all the the top teams that they too maybe too eager to, to yeah. change things and, and too open to to change things. Right. Absolutely. Can you can you go in the machine shop and make something, Raj, to help out? Can you can you can you go get in there and do something? I know you're you're quite skilled. I, I love to, I love to, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. 
if I could fix it that way, um, <laughs> I, I would be there. I would be there now. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, let's yeah. Uh, let's talk about that Supercross season a little bit. Uh, just a remarkable ride for Cooper Webb. Um, you know, he's down almost a race in points and just slowly gets it back. And I mean, you've worked with so many champions. You've worked with so many great ones, but. There's something special about Webb's mental game and um, and the way he can turn it on when it counts, huh? Yeah, it, uh, definitely. And he seems to be able to deal with pressure. Uh, pressure seems to be good for him, actually. Yeah. You know, and, and um, yeah, it it was it it was really cool to to see what and, and be part of what what he did and to come from behind and and. And and the way you he raced and mm-hmm. even uh, even when he didn't have the best day, he stayed calm and 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 was able to you know to yeah to deliver. Well, so. you've been there as a rider too. Like there were some races where he was he struggled in the whoops. He couldn't get through the whoops. And damn it, by the main event, he would figure it out. You know, he would work through it. He would. It, it was a remarkable. Yeah. Just yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with you. Were you like that as yeah. a racer? Like, did were you able to do that kind of stuff? Where, uh, like, hey, like I'm not having a good day. I didn't qualify well. You know, I didn't. I don't feel good in practice. And then, were you able to have days where you're like, "Fuck it, I gotta, I gotta figure this out." Yeah, sometimes yes, and sometimes not. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah. Um, what what's it been like for you to step back from team manager? Uh, you're overseeing all the brands. Ian Harrison is a team manager for that team. What's it like for you? Has it changed your job a little bit? Has it changed the way you work with the riders? Um, a little bit, you know. There is um, so Ian is um, he's the one that. Um, we we all talk to the riders, the suspension guys, Ian and myself. But mm-hmm. Ian Ian is the lead guy about talking at least to the uh, to Cooper and to Marvin, mm-hmm. and uh, and then he he oversees everything and you know, the the whole the three brands on the technical side. So he, he's he's played his way full also, yep. and uh, um, yeah, it it's 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 to the point that it's. Uh, we had our limit, you know. We yeah. we well, it's everything. When everything goes well on on race day, then it's not a problem. But if there is uh, some issue and uh, one guy is a, a real problem, uh-huh. then it's 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 become very difficult. And especially now that we we have back uh, back to have uh, uh, to fifty guys uh, in, inside. So it uh, there's um, there's there's a lot of need for attention to yeah. to the riders to yeah right um, for for next year it uh, how's things looking for next year I know Aaron Plessinger is in the, in the play and there's lots of rumors about him going back to Yamaha now um, are you set for next year or are you still looking to sign some guys um, no we actually. Uh, Marvin is not signed yet, okay. but uh, he, he has an offer on the table, and, mm-hmm. and Aaron is. Um, we we almost done with that thing, and um, we we're in the middle of that right now. Okay. Um, 
Hey, motocross the nations. The schedule is better this year. Not so much time off. Do you predict uh, you'll have some better buy-in from Team USA guys this year? Do you think it'll be easier for you to get some guys? Um, yeah, the schedule-wise, for sure, that's a lot, a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, but it, it's it's gonna it's always depend on uh, to the teams that are willing to support the riders and and. Uh, and the riders really wanting to go, you know, you mm-hmm. you only want to go with uh, only take riders that really want to be there, right? And uh, they by by the time you you come to motocross of nations, there's you know they've basically two seasons that they compete in in the U.S. and mm-hmm. and they they often want to take a break, but there's some of the guys they're very eager to go, right? And um, uh, Cooper has said that he wanted to go, but uh, you know he, we need better results, of course. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, and, uh, You're like, I'll and, take uh, you, Cooper. But, I'll take you, Cooper. You got to start getting on the podium here soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I think he's, I think he's getting uh, out of his slump. Uh, okay. I, I expect a better Cooper at uh, in Michigan. Nice. Are you no. uh, okay? Are you a bit uh, are you a bit bummed at Kawasaki for not supporting uh, the race and not really wanting to their riders to go? I mean, obviously Tomac and Adam are great riders, and you know they would help Team USA. Are you have you tried? Have you have you asked them? Have you begged them? Uh, what are, what are, are you a bit upset about that? Well, I I don't know um, what what uh, Kawasaki wants to do uh, this coming year. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, in the past, it's sometimes it's been difficult, but it's it's a combination of the rider and the team. You know, right. the, the, if the rider doesn't want to go, the team is not gonna throw him under the bus. And, and right, uh, you know, so it's a combination of riders and team. And and it's been difficult with the with the with schedule wise with the the bigger gap. And mm-hmm. you know, well, we we've. We the, the guys are thinking already supercross and and they still have to uh, keep training outdoors and and um, but I I feel it's definitely a big improvement schedule wise and uh, hopefully by by then we will we will be good right yeah hopefully um when's Team USA gonna win again Raj <laughs> what's it's man I I I see you every one of these I interview you every one and you yeah. are you are so sad. At some of these results lately, Raj. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, and this this event mean, means a lot to yes, me. I, yes, yes. <laughs> and I, I think it's um, it's it's good for our sport. Uh, and I feel we we need to support it. I think it's 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 good for the industry and it's it's for for outdoors. It's definitely the biggest race of the year. Mm-hmm. And. Um, yeah, uh, I I think we 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 can win, and in Italy we should have, we should have won, you know, and yeah. when uh, Anderson got landed on, and and yeah. then Cooper got uh, got stuck in the fence uh, with a half lap to go or something. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, but um, yeah, um, things have not worked our way, but. Yeah. I, I, I have not given up yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Um, 
Is it different? So you went to KTM, you left Suzuki, you go to KTM, and you know you hire Ryan Dungey and you develop a four-stroke, and you turn that program around. And, and you know, definitely all-time great job on that. But when you're at Suzuki, I got the feeling that you know you had a lot of say as to the machine and the bike. And of course, at Honda in the glory days, it was you, Dave, and, and you know you guys just dominated for years. Is it different for you at KTM? You have you have Pitt Buyer, you have Mr. Peer. Do you feel like you have the full reign to do whatever you want, or is there more bosses for you at KTM than you than you've been used to over the years? No. Uh, well, it's the 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 good thing is we have I've had the same boss at KTM yep. since since I started with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was uh, with uh, the Japanese companies. Usually, they stayed three to four years, and then they they would swap people. Yep. That's 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 their style of doing things. And um, at, at Honda, it was good for a long time. At Suzuki, it took a long time to to get everything up to back up to speed, and mm-hmm. and we got good, but. Then uh, the the problem at Suzuki was more the upper management. The, the race team people are really good people, but mm-hmm. the upper management, uh, you know, they they didn't know if they wanted to be racing or, or not, and and uh, you know they were not uh, giving the proper support to the to the to their own race mm-hmm. racing people to their own. Uh, Staff in 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 Japan and and however they send it to to the U.S. and, and that was disappointing because okay. there was really really good good engineers that are very capable and you know they they have shown that they come back to MotoGP and you know won a MotoGP championship and right uh, you know so they they there's good people there but the cool thing at KTM is that. Our owner, uh, Mr. Peter, is mm-hmm. he loves the the racing. He is very competitive, and and uh, you know, with Pitt, Pitt running uh, the racing, Pitt is uh, pretty smart and and can can deal with a lot of lot of different things. He's, he's pretty impressive on yeah. on uh, what he's been able to do, and uh, he's a lot of a uh, lot of mental energy and. So that's been good. It's phenomenal that they won. They won MotoGP. Yeah. Phenomenal, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unbelievable. Um, I don't think I ever actually talked to you about this. I I was a kid in Canada, so I I wasn't, you know, really uh, into racing then. But why did you leave Honda? You, you you were a promoter for a little bit. You you wrote for Dirt Bike Magazine. You kind of floated yeah, around I, a little bit. Why did you leave Honda? Well, we when uh, when I came to Honda, uh, my first year I w- was a development rider. I did yep. the GPS, but I developed uh, my job was to develop the ProLink, and mm-hmm. I had uh, Mr. Miyakoshi, who was uh, the the boss of all racing at that time at Honda, was uh, uh, very determined to win and and to do to give us what we needed uh, when we requested things mm-hmm. and. And um, so Dave and I had a very direct uh, contact with, with them. We worked at American Honda, but we basically uh, all the, the communication and the decision making was between Japan mm-hmm. and, and the race team. 
and and then as time went by and and uh, when the the production rule came um they uh, they got us uh, a bit more involved with that also okay. and at the beginning it worked really good yep but then then things were changed and and we had to go through through um sales and marketing they they moved the race team under there mm-hmm. and then we had to deal well with those people and uh, they they would make promises to the riders that uh, the race team were unable to, to fulfill. And, oh, really? And, yeah. Yeah. And they, they they wanted to be friends with the riders and, would, you know, the riders would uh, ask for things and they would promise, yeah, 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 no problem. But <laughs> Dave and I, we had to deliver and we could not <laughs> deliver those things. Uh-huh. So it, it got more and more frustrating and, I had I had never taken a break from uh, yeah from uh, yeah, I stopped racing in the following week I was in on the other side you know yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah. No, on the management side so I I, I was frustrated and um, I felt I needed a break so uh, I uh, I decided to to take it easy for a little bit and mm-hmm. then. Um, uh, uh, motorcross action and then Roland Haynes came and said, "Ah, oh, you know, you have to do something. You cannot just stay away, and, right. and uh, you know, maybe you can help us with um, the uh, test, uh, evaluate uh, the yeah. magazine bikes." So I did a little bit of that, and and then uh, then Sylvain contacted me, and that Suzuki wanted uh, to to make a comeback and. Mm-hmm. And, and so on, and, and we talked for uh, quite quite a, a few months about it, and and then uh, then I I decided to go to Japan and listen mm-hmm. uh, firsthand, and they uh, was pretty cool. They had a big uh, uh, meeting room with all the guys that I had worked with at, at Suzuki, my, my oh, old okay. mechanics, old yeah, yeah. managers, and all that, and. And uh, so uh, we need you back and, yeah. and all that. And so I uh, I thought, well, you know, I've had a break now. Yep. Uh, I'm going And Sil- Sylvain was a big factor on it because Sylvain had a, a really good relationship with uh, with Suzuki and he did a great job in the, on the GPs. And then um, we made that, made that deal with uh, Albertine uh, to race in, in Europe. Uh, uh, on Suzuki one year and yeah. then come over to the U.S., which was a, a dream, you know. Yep, yep. Um, were you pretty were – there, were there times at Suzuki where you were like – you were just like, we got to get these bikes better? I mean, because, you know, Jeremy comes over and he's got some issues. Albie does win. The bikes are good, but they're not great. Uh, at some point, were you pretty frustrated or were you like, hey, we'll get there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, with with um... – with with uh, with with Jeremy, that was uh, was kind of a last minute uh, yeah. deal that came about, and uh, he had a different with um, with uh, management at at Honda, and mm-hmm. uh, he called me a couple of days before Christmas and said, "Hey, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I want to come uh, and, and race for you, yeah. so, Jeremy." <laughs> And then, uh, but I thought he was joking first, and then, right. <laughs> and, and, and then uh, 
maybe uh, three or four days later, we took Albert Einstein's bike and, and went to Jeremy's track in uh, here in Murrieta. Yeah, and 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 uh, we, you know, the the the, the bike was was not. Uh, not the greatest. No, but, no. But but and there was a lot of mistakes made by the mechanic at yep. the time, and um, Jack really wanted Wyatt to to be the mechanic, and and uh, right, and uh, so we walked with him. But Wyatt happened to to fall in love at that, that, <laughs> uh, that time, yeah, yeah. with uh, the girl that worked for the AMA and was making. Uh, uh, a lot, many mistakes on the bike. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, I mean, Jeremy's a flat tire and a clutch away from winning the title, the Supercross title. He wasn't. Yeah, he wasn't much. And the clutch, yeah. the clutch was. Uh, he forgot to put uh, one of the bearings in the clutch. Oh shit! And I didn't we know never that. had yeah, issues. Yeah. We never had issues on on the practice bike. Right. And um, uh, with the clutch, and uh, Jeremy kept having problems on on race day and. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it was weird, but um, what what uh, Wyatt had forgotten, you know, the the where the the shaft that has the the the, the um, teeth on the end yep. that pulls the, the 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 clutch plate or the the pressure plate away from the clutch. Yeah. Well, that that shaft. As a bearing at at the very end, to uh-huh. very close to the middle of the clutch, and then it has one at the outside on on the on the pressure plate where 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 it's uh, where it, no no where oh. it goes into the clutch cover. Oh okay yeah yeah. So they there's two uh, bearings. Yep. And the one the one on the top closer to the to the level that it's outside where the cable attaches to mm-hmm. was in, but the one on the close bottom. to the center. Yep. Uh, was not in, uh-huh. so the shaft would just like rotate, you know, like pivot. Barely, yeah, yeah. Ba- barely actuate and then pull away from, you know, it would not disengage yep. completely. Yeah, yeah. Oh shit. <laughs> and then another thing, another thing he did was uh, the clutch, ca- the throttle cable. He liked everything Honda. He was trying to make uh, the the Suzuki Honda, and he, so he decided to use Honda's clutch uh, throttle cable. And uh, at one point, uh, he did not show up for for the race. I forgot what race it was. <laughs> uh, it was may, may, maybe uh, Butts Creek or so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, not not Butts Creek. Um, uh, I forgot which which one it was. But anyhow, he did yeah. not show up. He, he was with his girl somewhere, oh. and uh, we, we had to uh, get another mechanic and. We got uh, um, the Jeremy's old mechanic, actually. Yeah, Skip, right? And yeah. and and, and, and um, he uh, he so he gets walking on the bike at the race location because that was like a last minute. He, mm-hmm. You know, we yep. we were expecting Wyatt to show up. He did not show up, and <laughs> and uh, when he he calls he calls uh, Yen over and he said, uh, "Hey, come and look at this." And he opened the throttle, full to the stop, and the slide did not go up uh, all the way. It geez. opened only, it was only three quarters of the way. 
Holy smokes. Jeez. So Jamie had been riding, riding the bike that way, and he was still in contention with the championship. <laughs> yeah, he was. He was. <laughs> um, yeah. All right, I don't have a lot of time with you left here, so I want to I want to get to some, skip to some stuff. Put your put your go back in the time machine a little bit. If Jean Michel Bale doesn't fall in love with road racing, right? And he yeah. and he keeps racing in '92, like he keeps trying in '92, and then '93 he stays in motor. Like, is Jeremy winning or is JMB still winning? Like in '93 and '94. You know, with Ethan, but it's, it's sad to say, but he definitely. He, he was a guy that set a, a goal, and his goal was uh, to win a championship. He, and then he wanted to go do the next thing, you know. Right, right. And and uh, and he did all uh, all through his uh, uh, racing history. He was like that, mm-hmm. you know. He wanted to win uh, in Europe. He won. Came to the U.S. Won. Went went to road race. Yeah. Um, and did a bunch of other things and. Yeah, it's, that's a that's a tough one to answer. You can answer yeah, that. Yeah. As, you uh, you guess is as good as mine. There yeah. in uh, in ninety two, were you? Was he? He was probably barely trying, right? In ninety two, like he was basically checking out, not really wanting to race. Yeah, he he was frustrated because um, I, I, you know, uh, he had told me about what he wanted to do, what his dream was, right. and I, I think if uh, if Honda would have um, given him a little bit more positive feedback about that, they would give him some help to okay. to transition into road race the following year. Yeah, I think things would have been a lot better, but then. You know, he got so frustrated and pissed off with with us that uh, <laughs> you know he, 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 he you know he, he he wanted the team to lose basically. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. I, I heard the stories. I've heard some of these stories. You know, yeah. and of course in '90, Dave benches him at Bud's Creek because he won't pull over for Kudowski. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Was everybody in those days? Were everybody kind of going to you for advice because you were the, probably the only guy that could really talk to them? Were people like saying, uh, "Roger, you got to help me. You got to help me, Roger." Yeah. <laughs> when it was about GMB, uh, yeah, that, that <laughs> happened a lot. But it, it it was also difficult because um, you know at that time we were all even on the same team. There were little teams in a, in a yeah. big team. You know, like yeah, yeah. every mechanic rider. Was was a team, and and they, you know, Cliff mm-hmm. White and, and GMB, they were a team, and and they 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 would do whatever they could to to get an advantage, Lunis and and right. uh, and, and, uh, and and Ricky on the other hand, and and um, Dan and Jeff and, uh, Bentley and Jeff, and, yeah, and yeah, so there there was a lot of friction. Uh, between those groups and it you know when they they come away from the racetrack they they one guy they would usually walk in the hotel parking lots but still they could kind of keep more separation than they can in today's setup you know right yeah how did you handle that back then i mean did you try to get those guys to get along like like there's a famous yeah, story oh, of, of of when bale Bale broke his arm when leading the 125 series, and yeah, yeah. and then Kudrowski got JMB's motor, and it was so much better because Cliff was going in and porting it. And it's like, 
wow. Like, I, you know, back then you have to be just pulling your hair out trying to figure this out. Yeah, they the mechanics would uh, hide things from each other, and they even <laughs> tried to hide things from Dave and me. You know, holy smokes! <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I would I would go around and ask, write down the settings from each guy, like carburetor settings and yep. things like that. Right. And uh, uh, one time, I said, "No, come on, this is this is not right." <laughs> Yeah, this cannot be. Right. And yeah, 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 yeah. That's correct. I said, okay, take off the carburetor, and you know, and of course, it was not what he was saying. Right. It was. Was that Cliff or who yeah. was that? No, it was not Cliff. Okay. But I, I, I won't tell who okay. it was, but it was not. It was not Cliff. Yeah. Right. And you're just like, hey, man, we all ride Honda. We all want to win, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, yeah. it's so different from nowadays, right? It's so different. Yeah, but now there is so, so much more support, and, and mm-hmm. you know the, the the mechanics at that time also. Uh, you know how much how much time those guys spent. You know they did the driving. Yeah, you know driving from from race to race. <laughs> when you went to the to the racetrack on race day. You know, we would take turns. One guy would go out there at four o'clock in the morning to get a decent spot and, and banner off some area in, yeah, in, yeah. in the pit. Right. Uh, then he had to do the engine, and, uh, and on, on many teams they had to do suspension as well. Yeah, crazy, right? And, you yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Rick Johnson, if he doesn't get hurt in Gainesville, how much longer does how much more wins does he have? Do you think he had another? Few years of dominance in him. Uh, I I think he for sure he would have at least one season or one or two seasons. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ricky Ricky was uh, it was pretty fun to work with him because um, Ricky was really when he won he really made the whole team feel like you know you won with him oh, okay yeah. and and that's um, i feel that's a big quality that 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 he had so not like jmb and stanton <laughs> and all that <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he was different that way right right um yeah i think it's you know, to to perform at your best and get the best support, you you, you can help things by how you how you behave and mm-hmm. how you treat people. You know, right, right. Yeah, he he was a great champion. He really was a great champion. You watch those old races. He was he was great on the mic. He did you know he did tricks. He he was a great rider. Uh, fantastic champion for the sport. Yeah, yeah. What okay? What made you? pick a Husqvarna 500 rider to ride a 125 for you in Mickey Diamond in 86? Like, what? where did that come from? I think that was, uh, I, th- I think that was maybe uh, Matty Smith that told uh, Dave and I, hey, you need to look at this guy. Oh, really? I remember okay. well, that's, yeah, yeah. that's where it came from. Yeah. Right. Because, like, that was just an out-of-there signing. Like, what? They hired Mickey Diamond yeah. to ride 125s, you know? So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure that that uh, it was it was uh, Marty. Yeah, that Matty told uh, Dave, "Hey, uh, you need to look at this guy. You know, he would be good." Right. Wow, he got two championships for you. Yeah. So, um, which rider are you most proud of 
work and, there, and there's so many there, there's so many which rider are you most proud of for helping like which guy made the biggest improvements with you helping them over the years was there i mean you know like i, I can think of so many guys that you know like talk about mickey or stanton or alby or tortelli or these guys like was there a couple of guys that you know i i, I think uh um Dungy, you know yeah yep yeah Dungy was um you know, we we picked him up. He he was uh, actually a B rider, you know, amateur yeah, when we yeah. when we started with him. Right. And and um, the 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 cool thing he was, he we did not offer him a big deal. We actually paid him by points. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah, by points earned, and 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 it worked out good, and and. His parents were happy with it, and mm -hmm. it ended up working out really well. And you know, in the the consistency he had, and uh, he, you know, he's, he's still the only guy that uh, won both Supercross and, and and outdoors as a rookie. Yeah, uh, and was one of the most consistent riders that you know has has done this. Signing Carmichael. Um... You know, obviously, the, the 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 word is is that you guys, you know, basically paid him a ton of money as if he would win the championships for you. You know what I mean? There was no championship bonus, just all salary. Who who first goes to Carmichael? Do you go to Ricky, or does he come to you because things are breaking down uh, with Honda? Who who approaches who first? Um, I think I uh, I had been talking to Ricky already for for a while, okay. little by little, and yeah. you know. Like, a little bit with humor sometime or and uh, and I, I worked on that for a while and um and and then the opportunity came and, and uh uh in the position we were in I I, I we 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 had to take a chance, you know, and, uh -huh. and so he basically we, we gave him uh, uh, salary that included pretty much the bonuses that, <laughs> right. uh, and but he delivered and yeah. over, overall, it, you know, he did not cost us more because he because he delivered. Right. Have you ever seen anybody harder on motorcycles than him? Um, he was hard on on the on the carburetor and the, and the throttle uh, yeah. system because he would keep the thing pin, pinned open. This <laughs> <laughs> is the only rider that uh, that wore out the the, the carburetor cap. I know the, from the slide hitting the top. Unbelievable! <laughs> I heard that. Um, I was at Yamaha uh, working for Ferry when you guys debuted the RMZ four stroke, and he rode it. And we used to be like, that thing is going to blow up. Listen to it. It was popping and r bouncing off the rev limiter. And we're just like, you know, the way Ricky rides it. And we're like, that thing is not going to make it, you know, these races. A and it did. It made them all. But were you, did you guys have reliability issues early on in testing or anything? Or like with him testing the motorcycle so hard? Did you, do you remember being worried about that? 
We 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 did not have uh, exceptional uh, problems in testing, okay. but at uh, at uh, Las Vegas when we went to the, the I was still at the MGM. Yep. Uh, he, uh, some uh, part broke in the in the clutch. Yeah. And uh, it, we never had an issue with it in in in, in his in his own testing mm-hmm. or. And, yeah. Uh, uh, but we had that problem, and, and Japan at that time was uh, reacted really quick and got it got it fixed and redesigned for for uh, the opening at Anaheim. Right, right, yeah, and that was that must have been pretty stressful because he was brand new to the team, right? And then he has a, a clutch problem. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. What uh, for yourself? Yeah, we had, okay, we, cool. we, we had to we had, we had to face Genie after that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good, good luck with that, right? Um, yeah, Ian was scared to death of Jeannie. <laughs> I, I don't blame him. I don't blame him. I yeah, yeah, she was tough, but in the all altogether, she was good for you know right. making making it work. Right. Um, for yourself, what's uh what's a regret you have in your career? You've done everything. You've won world championships. You've managed, you've developed motorcycles, you've managed so many champions, you've turned around a, a complete brand of KTM, but what's a regret you have? Do you have any? Do you have anything that you should have done differently? I should have gone more to school and to <laughs> learn learn more. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. yeah. Um, where did you pick up machining so well? I, I've heard you're so good at making things I, on the lathe. How did you pick that up? I I did go to uh to um to to school for it for you know in the, when I was young uh, I took some classes for it and and I like it and right when I I had uh, some little machines at at my home in Belgium also that to fit to fit with and right yeah um yeah especially were you doing this when you were racing um, yeah, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, all right, Raj, I'll let you go here on the Fly Racing Racer X podcast. Thank you for your time. One last thing. I just I don't know if you're aware of this, but you've done such a great job at KTM. But the first ever American win for KTM was at High Point in 2000 with Kelly Smith. First time KTM ever won, and I was the mechanic that day. So I don't oh, know. Cool. I don't know if you want to, you know, maybe get me a plaque or get me some sort of medal for being the first mechanic to help KTM win in America. But if you could ask Pitt or or somebody like that, they could get me a medal, maybe something. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. You'll get right on that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. That was a different KTM back then. That was a little different uh, with Salvarage uh, running things. So a little different. Yeah. Yeah. Salvarage is. He still walks here, you know, and yeah, um, yeah. He's, he's still passionate, uh, as passionate as, as ever. Oh, I bet. Well, Raj, thanks for your time. I know you're a busy guy. Uh, we'll see you at Red Bud. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks. That was Roger DeCosta on the Fly Racing Racer X podcast. Uh, thank you for, for listening and uh, some good stuff there. Thank you to motorsport.com. If you want to uh, get OEM parts, aftermarket parts, motorsport.com will dial you in. 79 bucks, free shipping. Go through the banner on pulpamex.com or pulpamexshow.com and help us out a little bit. And there's some deals for our different partners as well on motorsport.com. Really, really thankful to have those guys on board. They do the fantasy podcast. They do this podcast. They do the Pulpamex show. Motorsport.com. Talk to one of the gearheads down there. They'll dial you in. Uh, Phil Nicoletti, Ryan Poto, myself. 
If you have an issue with motorsport or you can't get an answer or whatever it is, uh, use contact form on pulpmex.com, and uh, I will uh, make sure that you can get the best customer service handled at the folks at motorsport.com. Thank you to Cobolinks, of course, too. If you are shorter of stature, if your chick has a bike, if whatever it is, if you want to get better plushness, improve your cornering, gain confidence by having a lower center of gravity, uh, check out Cobolinks.com. They're a lowering suspension link for everything from Aprilia to Yamaha. Used by trail riders, motocross racers, and adventure tours everywhere. 25 years these guys have been doing it in uh, Boise, Idaho. So Cobolinks.com. Get 15% off any link and free U.S. shipping by using the code PULPAMEX, Cobolinks.com. Thank you to Maxis Tires. Thank you to Renthal. And, of course, as always, Fly Racing, flyracing.com. All right, let's uh, let's talk to Brady Sharon. And now, as promised on the Fly Racing Racer X podcast, to talk a little bit more about the new vision brace from the folks at Atlas Brace, one of the co-owners of Atlas Brace, Brady Sharon. What's up, man? How are you? I am doing great. How are you, Steve? Thanks for doing this. Appreciate it. I haven't talked to you for yeah. a while. I hope all is well. Yep, doing great. Just uh, down here in California right now, hanging out. Uh, I escaped Canada for, for a few weeks, so that's a nice treat to get away and do some traveling. And uh, yeah, well, just doing, doing our thing. You're going to be quarantined when you get back then, I guess? You got to do all that? <laughs> so. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, you got you to gotta test yourself crazy and... <laughs> avoid human contact and do all that fun stuff yeah it's it's unfortunate i was and it's funny to come down to america we're like you know, yeah everything's just everyone's chilling down here and it's it's funny I, I was telling my wife i've never kind of um been dreading going home so much yeah <laughs> normally i'm happy to go home and leave america right usually you guys are the crazy ones it's is, uh, it's know, insane on, but... it, it's insane it, it can we can we meet in the middle between not being degaff, but then also not imposing like these inc- ridiculous guidelines on people. Can we meet in the middle somewhere? Uh, you know, yeah, that would be fantastic. But everyone down here in America has been super nice, yeah. and friendly, and everyone's happy to be. Uh, everyone is happy. Yeah, everyone's it's, pumped. It's a it's a great scene. So I can't wait for that to happen at home. I know. <laughs> I know. My mom is uh, vaccinated up in Canada. Loves to golf. Cannot golf with someone who is not in her household, and she lives alone, which means she can't golf. Like it's outdoors. Uh, She's vaccinated, and, and she cannot go golfing with someone who is not in her household. What an insane rule that is up there! So, yeah, uh, unfortunately, we've we've come past the uh, the mean the health reasons for whatever we're doing, and now we're just into like a you know yeah political. Game. We're getting into yeah. communism instead. It's getting into a mess. So. Yeah. Anyways, let's let's get off of that. So, uh, sure. Atlas Vision brace, uh, something new from you guys. You've done a terrific job with the neck braces over the years, of course. Uh, but there's always been that market of people who can't fit a regular Atlas brace. I mean, they're out there. Jeremy Martin's one of example. There's other guys that just you know can't quite get used to the way uh, it sits on their body. There's there's different reasons why. People haven't adapted your the main brace for you guys. So the Atlas Vision, this is your answer to that. Um, take us through sort of the idea and the conception behind the Atlas Vision brace that we'll see. Filthy Phil's been wearing right now. Tanner Ward's going to wear it. Uh, I think Wright is going. Is Wright sticking with the old one or the new one? Uh, I can't remember. But um, uh, I'm not sure. Some guys have been switching back yeah. and forth and trying different things. And, yeah. Yeah. So take us through but, the idea um, behind this. Yeah. So. Obviously, we've been doing, you know, our air brace line and the, the Prodigy and Tyke braces for the kids and the Brol. We've been doing those for years. Um, our competitors have been around for years. And, you know, we hear a lot of complaints about people that either tried to wear a brace and they couldn't. They couldn't see. Maybe they have a shorter neck. Um, the problem over the last several years since the concussion 
you know, um, conversation has been started as helmets have been getting bigger, mm-hmm. um, which means le- less movement for neck braces. So that's affected us and, and others a little bit. And, you know, really it was just, I was looking at like, well, how do I solve the problems, but also give people some protection that's important and critical. Um, it's just a really hard problem to solve. And, you know, with originally with neck braces, all of us kind of went, Hey, let's make the safest thing possible. And, you know, it's like, we're trying to do the best job possible. Um, but that doesn't really, or it exists in other categories. But if you look at the chest protector category, for example, you have everything from a really slim foam front only piece to, you know, a a pressure suit style, you know, crazy thick CE level three body armor and everything in between Mm -hmm. with neck braces, you only had the best of the best, the maximum protection, bulkiest thing, you know, protects in all scenarios. We, everyone only shoot for that kind of shining star. Um, so I looked at that and I said, well, we, I think we can solve some of these problems and I think we can also give some consumers a choice. You know, maybe we all, we all had the right intentions of going after everything and solving everything, but that just doesn't work for everybody, you know, and there's a lot of people that want neck protection. They want it. They just don't have an option that works for them. Right. You know, so that, that really sucks and wanted to solve that. And that was basically the start for the division callers. You know, we distilled the product down to only helping with compression, which is the deadliest forces on your neck. It's what what causes the um, exploding vertebrae and things like that and causes the shards to go in your spine and can lead to death and paralysis and all this nasty stuff. So we kept that in the middle and then we removed the front and rear shelf essentially. So it allows 66 percent more range of motion. So if you want to look up a hill, down a hill, mm-hmm. um, whatever it may be, depending on your the application, then you can do that. Um, and, you know, if a guy's option is not wearing one or wearing something, we would prefer that he wears something, especially, yeah. you know, for his own safety and all that. So that's basically what it was. Yeah, you're not this is this does not give you the protection that an Atlas Air does. This, you know, this is uh, not the, not exactly the same. Yeah, exactly. The Atlas Air can help you in more scenarios than the Vision can. Um, but the Vision only helps with compression. But because we added D3O to it, it mm-hmm. actually helps 50%. It, it reduces the forces 50% more than our Air Brace does. Oh, okay. So yeah. for, com- for compression, it actually is a giant leap forward um, in the technology for the impact. So that's a, that was a really important factor for this. Is We wanted it to do the one job, but we wanted it to do it better than anything out there. How long did it take you to develop this? Um, it was two to three years, yep. give or take. Um, the pandemic and all this COVID stuff really pushed the timeline. We were we were hoping to be a year earlier, um, but factories got crazy and it, the whole world got turned upside down. We weren't sure what was going to happen, so we kind of waited it out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was a couple of years. Um, and and really, how, how many prototypes? Really, okay, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, a lot of it was a combination of things we learned from the last 10 years of just being in business and doing this thing mm-hmm. um, with the air brace and, you know, refining that down, getting the weight down, developing release systems, tethers, um, padding, fastening systems, you know, kind of all the innovation that came through that kind of made the yep. vision possible. And one of the impetus for the uh, this development was, was Jeremy Martin, right, who wanted to wear an, a regular brace and just he's got a short neck. You know, if if you got a big helmet, a short neck, the, all that kind of stuff, the brace, you know, your brace or any brace isn't going to work for you. Yeah, exactly. Like I said, there's people out there that mm-hmm. want a solution. They don't 
want to wear nothing, but that's kind of the corner they've been forced into. And, you know, no other manufacturer was kind of varying from their position. So we just kind of took it in our hands and said, hey, I think we can come up with something. Yep. Um, and it proved out to work really well with, with testing, with, with everything. So that was, uh, yeah, it was nice. How many prototypes did you go through? Like how much, you know, you talk about the um, the D3O foam. Um, mm-hmm. How many sort of protections or prototypes did you go through where you're like, okay, this is too much. This is not enough. This fits weird. Like how, how, how much of that? Um, there was at least 10 probably. Um, a yeah. lot of it was based on getting the fit to be pretty good. And um, this was difficult because no one had really ever done it in this capacity. So we had to kind of learn some things and figure out some things on how that was going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, the, I'll give you an example here. The front of it, how it kind of comes down, goes over your collarbone and then rests on your chest. That was really tricky because it has to have a big enough bump to go over your collarbone where it's not going to rub or mm-hmm. you know kind of cause a problem. But it can't really stick out or be this big lump on there. Otherwise, it would act as a fulcrum for your head and it would cause a problem in the testing because you didn't want it to like catch on a lip and either force your head in some direction or do anything like that. So mm-hmm. it was really difficult to find a happy medium between certain areas like that where it was safe, but it still did its job and it fit properly and just little things like that to work out. I mean, like I said, because of the air brace and everything else, we had a really good base. We knew what yep. would fit. We knew how, how to thick to make the foam and where this should sit and what that should do. So yeah, it was really just a matter of working out the small, the differences between what that product is and what this product is. You can go to atlasbrace.com to learn more about the vision, uh, brace itself. And again, and compare it to the Atlas air, which, you know, again, the Atlas air is, is for, for ultimate, um, protection and as far as your your for the for the atlas air it helps when you move your neck um uh forward forward and back that's the atlas air yeah this atlas yeah, vision reflection hyperextension right. whatever yep. the fancy words and, are yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah the vision collar we like to call it a collar just because we're trying to separate it from brace sure. just because what's going on we know most people kind of defer to that you know it's kind of like the kleenex argument so right, it, right. it is what it is but um we just want to let people know you know this this product does function a little bit differently and um yeah it's not kind of your traditional full frame neck brace but yeah the other thing we worked on that was difficult in, in testing was um frame materials we actually mm-hmm. played around with that quite a bit and we actually deviated from what we use on the air brace just because the, the air brace because like i said it's a full frame brace it has some more structural rigidity and um, just based on having more parts and the way it's shaped and things like that, where this being such a simple device, um, we had to tweak things a little bit to get the, the safety we were looking for. Nice. Um, kids braces soon. Yeah, soon? that, that will come next. Yep. Um, they're in the works now and, uh, yeah, we think that's going to be actually maybe even a bigger help for some of the kids than some of the adults, because the adults, there's a subsection that have trouble wearing them, but with kids, you see kids and they have these full-size heads and these giant helmets right? Um, where the helmets are like almost touching the shoulders to begin with. And yeah, we, that's going to be an interesting one where in development, we got it. There's a few different problems to solve there just because they're so teeny and their helmets yep. are so big. And you know, the, again, it can, mostly comes down to fit. Yep. Yep. And it, will this work with the guardian with your, with your chest protector that you, that you guys yeah. make? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it works with all in the Defender right. um, chest protector as well. Be- because these the front kind of acts similarly, but the back is so short that mm-hmm. it almost doesn't even come in contact with a lot of chest protectors, which is a huge bonus. It makes it um, a little more versatile. The Atlas Vision, you can see it on Filthy Phil Nicoletti. And he's been testing it a lot for you because he's been crashing. 
so far to start the yeah. national. So, yeah. <laughs> and the uh, yeah, we don't we don't like our riders to do the testing for us. We prefer to do that in the lab. But yeah, that that can happen. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, hey, there's no doubt that we're seeing less less pro guys uh, where uh, whether it's the Atlas brace or just any brace itself. Uh, there's a couple of main competitors you have. And mm-hmm. it's weird to see that. My comeback to that, and look, I don't wear one. Like, I, I probably should, and I don't. So I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm just, but I also don't always put my seatbelt on either, right? But my yeah. my comeback to, to, you know, the guys saying, like, look, man, these pro guys are taking them off. It's like, they also don't wear chest protectors. They race, uh, you know, <laughs> they jump 65-foot triples and go fourth gear wide open through sand whoops, and they don't have chest protectors on. So, like, I don't know if we should start looking at the pros and what they wear as an ultimate sign of protection or not. You know what I'm saying? And uh, But but there yeah, is no doubt that to, it, it's tougher for you guys right now. Yeah, I think you have to look at, you know, the reasons why people are doing stuff. And there's a good reason to look at pros for certain advice. If you want to learn how to go faster or you want to learn technique or you want to learn, you know, certain things. But, mm-hmm. you know, your, your pro racer, at least in our sport, isn't necessarily going to be the safest guy on the track as far as how he's dressed. That's, yeah. that's just not always the case. The, yep. Their goals are different than, you know, some father of two that has to go to work on Monday. You're trying to attain different things. Yeah. And these guys are trying to, you know, squeeze every millimeter of performance. And if they have anything even in their head that they're going to think about, that's a problem for them. Mm-hmm. As ridiculous as that is. But that's the prerogative, right? They need to clear their mind. They need to be focused ahead. They need to do what they need to do to win. And get the money and get you know whatever, whatever yeah well you've been there you, you race pro yeah, yeah. You, you you've been there yeah. um you know so but, but the guy that's the guy that's in his mid-30s that is a weekend weekend warrior that goes home to his family and his job you know office job whatever whatever he does um he's got to go to work on monday he's got to take care of his kid he's got to be there for his family you know his he's not going to win a million dollars on the weekend you know by hanging it out yeah that's just it's just they're just yep. not the same goal so i think People have to just look at what's your goal. What are you trying to achieve, mm-hmm. and dress accordingly. Right. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And even the kids taking risks. I mean, you know, when they get on 80s or they start making their own decisions, and you know, they want to take stuff off and do whatever. I mean, some of them are chasing that goal, but you know, you could have a bad crash, and it's going to prevent you from that goal. So it's pretty cheap insurance, you know, to make that goal possible. And from our perspective, it's hard for us to wrap our head around because you know, if I was Geico Pro Circuit, whoever, whatever team you want to mention, it um, wouldn't you want to protect your investment? You got this guy that you want to win a championship that could be taken out mm-hmm. in the blink of an eye for something that could have potentially been prevented. That's pretty cheap insurance to me. I, you know, you'd think they'd want to be interested in that, but yeah, it's I, it's got to make it difficult for you. Yeah, it's got to make it difficult for you guys because I mean, we went through a stage where a lot of guys were wearing them. And and you know and having good luck with them, success with them. I mean, Jason Anderson won a Supercross title with a neck brace, and Sexton won with an Atlas brace, and, and you and know Villapoto won Bunch all those championships, right? So, like, yeah, the braces can be worn and won it, um, but but right for yeah, what? And I think even too, if you look back at the last you know ten fifteen years, I'm pretty sure there's been more championships won with neck braces than without. But between us, the yeah. competitors, whoever, right? Yeah, yeah, you know, between yeah. Between all the all companies. those years done. All those years, Dunge won with it. All those years, RV won with it. Like you said, Sexton, Anderson. Um, there's been all these guys. Even Reed won a championship with a neck brace. That's the most hilarious stat to me. But, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so it's – yeah, people just don't look at it. And like I said, it depends on why. You know, what are the reasons mm-hmm. that you're doing it? Think about that. 
And the funny part is right now, I mean, our sales have never been better, to be honest. So, yeah, I think, you know, I think, I think like anything factors, right. it is, it's things are working. Well, that's so good. That's good to hear. Plain. I was, I was wondering, yeah. that's good to hear that, that your sales are well. And, you know, I did a pod with Chris Lee a little while ago and, and he's doing well with their, with their stuff as well. Um, and yeah, so it's seen- their sales are up big time too. So, you know, I, you know, whatever this, the problem is the echo chamber on social media, right? Mm-hmm. You know, people get in these things and they have like, they can easily contact people with like-minded views or opinions and they think that's what's happening on a global scale. And it's, that's just a sliver of, you know, the same, the same hundred people saying the same yeah. thing all the time. It's, it's not indicative of the actual market or, or what's really happening. Yeah, absolutely. So the Atlas air, that is your second gen, right? You, you, from the first generation of Atlas brace you've come up with, that was the second one. Uh, yeah, there's been several ones. The okay. original brace, we called the original brace, mm-hmm. um, and then we changed it to air after we um, put it on a diet and, yep. uh, and lost some weight on it. Right. Um, and then there's been a few generations of it from there, mostly um, running changes, just improving. Yeah, just along the little, way. Little bits and yeah. What's mm-hmm. been – so the, the company has been very successful. What's been a real cool moment for you personally as one of the owners? Uh, has there been a couple that stood out, either, either your – first giant order or, or somebody winning or, or, or a letter or an email you got from somebody like, has there been a couple of moments that in your company's uh, history that stands out for you? There's definitely been a lot of them. Um, being that it was kind of my first business endeavor and doing all that. I mean, everything were firsts. They were all, everything was fun. Um, leading up to it in the, for me as the designer and that kind of stuff, you mm-hmm. know, seeing things manufactured on a mass scale, that's really fun. Um, you know, seeing your warehouse full of stuff, that's really fun. Yep. Seeing it empty is more fun. But <laughs> <laughs> initially when it comes in, it's fun. Yeah. Um, early on, um, McGrath wore the brace for a little bit, and he was, you know, like everyone, a childhood hero yeah. when I was growing up racing. Right. Um, so be able to meet him, talk to him, um, you know, have him wear something that I – that I developed that was that was super cool man and, sure you know be texting them and stuff like that it's like right. that, that was really fun um that was pretty cool obviously Filippoto Sexton Anderson all these guys winning championships in it those are all special moments um to see something you created help you know their endeavor a little bit and be part of it that was cool there's been a whole bunch uh, you know the life experience of you know going overseas to Taiwan and looking at the manufacturing and you know every aspect is cool and you know people out there that you know are are nervous or don't know how to start a company or want to or do Mm -hmm. something just do it just jump in and start the thing just get going just experience this stuff take it in ask questions just start just jump in and figure it out because it's it's a lot of fun and it's just a cool experience and right it's nice it's nice to be able to do that oh that's awesome um yeah it's 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 one of those things where Obviously, look, you, you know, you, you want to be successful. You want to make a lot of money. We all do. That That's a thing, too. But you're also, I imagine, some of the moments where you actually are seeing people being helped by your product and the brace breaking uh, in crashes when it's supposed to and how it works and working how it's supposed to and having, you know, yeah, we've phys- gotten, you know physicians yeah, that's, tell people that, you know, this really helped. So Yeah, those kind of moments I mentioned, those are kind of personal to me just as goals and things right. were happening. But from a company perspective, one of the you know, the most emotional things of doing this is getting letters from parents saying, you know, my kid crashed. The doctor said this saved his life. You know, all those types of things. I mean, that mm-hmm. that's like fuel that kind of keeps you going because um, the money, it comes and goes and it's whatever. But, you know, that's that's not why we're doing this. I, yeah. I didn't 
obviously we're a for-profit company and that's fine, but mm -hmm. that's not the reason for this. It's not like, you know, people on the internet think we're just trying to trick people into selling stuff that doesn't work. Like it's not, it's not some big conspiracy theory. It's, you know, I was a racer myself. I wore these products from our competitors when mm -hmm. I raced. I wasn't satisfied with them. So I set out to make a better one. That, that was really the motivation. I wasn't like, yeah. Oh, I think I can make a bunch of money. Let me cob something together. Like <laughs> there's, there's plenty of other ways to do that. That would be significantly less difficult than making a neck brace company. Yeah. Trust yeah. Me. Really? Right. <laughs> um, it's, what? it's expensive and it, it's difficult. And yeah, there's a lot faster ways to make money. If that was your, if that was your intention, you and I have a, a very good mutual friend in Ryan Villapoto. He is just a piece of work. Oh, Brady. He's just, <laughs> I mean, where do you, would, where yeah. do you start with, with RV? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he's an interesting character, but uh, yeah, I was lucky enough. I mean, him and I grew up racing together. Yeah, and being from Seattle, he was only a couple hours from me, so we, you know, I'd go down to Washington all the time and race with him. Mm -hmm. um, just murder him. Yeah, I know. Weekend. I heard about but, these. Yeah. But I was like, but I just like to put that out there, even though he he very much won that battle. But yeah, I'll, I'll take what I can get. We were on sixties, but I'll take it. No, I think he did. <laughs> no, he told me one time. Uh, I think it was Kyle Beaton. It was somebody yeah. worked him pretty good, and he was like, "Oh, yeah, he, yeah, yeah." I was, I, I maybe it was you, or maybe it was Beaton. Came, I don't know, but it was it was hilarious because well, he's it, like, "Yeah, these guys." Yeah, it was both of us, but he came up to Chilliwack, our little local arena cross, mm -hmm. and um, I, I think I was injured at the time and wasn't riding. Uh, but yeah, Kyle Beaton, yeah, he he took it to him. Right, right. So I, I always try yeah. to let never let him forget that. Right. Um, yeah, and, but, I, and I always remember. I remember always remember his dad. You know, R.I.P. to Dan. But he, um, he go, way to go, Ryan! You blew another one. <laughs> <laughs> Just blow him out. He throws right. hands up in the air. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the Dan Villapoto and then Jason Weimer, Jake's dad. Uh, those the, the yep. stories that those two have about their dads, absolutely having no faith in their sons for being professional yeah. racers, are fantastic stories. They're great stories. Oh yeah, you could do you could do a whole podcast just. Right about those. Right. Just <laughs> Jake said he, if it got, if it rained, the dad would be like, "Well, we're screwed now. You can't ride in the mud." Like, <laughs> great, thanks, Dad. <laughs> he just rode him off. Yeah, rode yeah, him off before yeah. He even started. Yeah. So, uh, no, it's it's <laughs> great uh, uh, being involved with RV over the years for my shows and stuff. And obviously, you you know, you're on a friendship level slash endorser level. So, yeah, you have some great stories. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we used to travel together and stuff. You know, he take my bikes to races and we you know camp out with them at loretta's mm -hmm. and ponca and all that kind of stuff and, yep um yeah we spent lots of time together as, as amateurs and we were both on team green um through our 80s right and uh yeah yeah good time uh what uh, what's next for atlas what's your next uh goal i mean you, you for a long time after the brace came out i know in talking to you and talking to brad and and noof you guys wanted to make a, a compatible chest protector you know that would fit nicely and you, you did that and, and then now you have this other that vision brace that takes up that that fix, fix, fixes another segment of people and caters to another segment of people. What's what's next for you? Yeah, yeah, we're working on some new body protection stuff. Um, we're really still all all the way in on this vision thing, getting that launched and getting it going. And like I said, working on some kids' models and things like that. Um, and we're just excited to see the feedback from that and how how it goes in the marketplace and um, kind of just keep expanding on that. We're always working on you know, new materials, new ways to make things lighter, um, all that kind of stuff. It's just iterating and iterating until until it gets better. But uh, our, our biggest goal is to get Rhino as an influencer. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that would be great, <laughs> right? Uh, 
yeah, just send him a box. Send him a box and, and see what he does and then have it show up. I, I, I got into it with uh, – uh, I didn't get into it, but Scotty Winterstrom and I were doing a um, privateer pod a couple weeks ago, and, and he's a guy that mentioned he didn't like neck braces. And and, and, sure. and I'm like, look, you can you can have your opinion of, of neck braces like Rhino does, but in my opinion, and I've told Rhino this, he's veering into a dangerous category where he doesn't really know, but he thinks he knows. And so now he's doing damage – to people, companies, and people possibly by not really knowing. You can have your opinion that you don't want, you don't like a neck brace, you don't think they work, just just like you have an opinion on, listen, I don't think, uh, you know, this boot from Garnet works as well as this boot or sure. whatever. You, that's all personal sure. opinion and you're, it's a free country and certainly I've, I've known to spout off an opinion or two on my shows. But when you get into no. what Rhino starts saying, to me that's a dangerous territory. Uh, and, I've, and I've told him that, but of course he, he doesn't listen. Yeah, he's a passionate guy, and you know, when he, whenever he talks about anything, he's going to do it with a whole lot of passion. And you know, to be to be frank, he's right about a lot of things. Your body position needs to be good. Your gear needs to fit. You need to be able to perform on the bike. That's kind of essential stuff that I, you know I don't think anyone would argue. But it doesn't mean you can't accomplish that while wearing a neck brace. That that's where he gets off the rails. I agree with him up to that point. I, yeah. I think your body position should be good, blah, blah, blah. And to take it even further, I, I've trained with Rhino. I've been to his house. I've trained with him in the gym. I've trained with him at the track, like as a bit of a riding coach type situation. And he helped me. He helped me yeah. figure out some things that worked fantastic. Um, this was pre-neck brace. But yeah. Um, but yeah, but like I said, it's not impossible to achieve those things while you're wearing a brace. Yeah. So yeah. Th- that's where we just get off the rails. And, you know, unfortunately, like I said, the echo chambers on social media, people get in there and they all kind of go, yeah, yeah. And it's like, it, you know, you just, you're just spouting into air. It it's phenomenal. I don't understand his cult that he's got. Uh, he's a passionate guy. And, and at some point he turned into this, you know, hey, man. I love to ride, and I love that you ride, and I love teaching people. It turned into that, and I love showing everybody, you know, what, I, what how to ride a motorcycle. But it turned into that, into some sort of vendetta where he is right, and, and everyone else is wrong. And I, and I kind of like, and, and these are my words, not yours. And I'm kind of like, Rhino, what happened to having a peaceful, open mind to now just saying this is the way it is? I mean, he he said Marvin Muscan can't win. He cannot win. He hasn't adapted his style. And then two weeks later, he wins Salt Lake, and Rhino says he adapted his style. And I'm just like, stop it, stop it, you know? Yeah, and him uh, saying that, like, him saying that, like, you know, the technique or whatever you need to win today was different than a couple years ago when guys were winning. It's like, it's not that different, man. No, no, no. So, and and again, his argument. The problem is his argument's getting weaker. There's less and less legs to it. He's searching. You can tell that he's searching for an excuses when you're using that kind of. Stuff. Well, you box yourself in your corner when you deal with absolutes, yeah. right? And and that's what he he, he deals with yeah. absolutes. And it's like, dude, it, it, it's not always that way. So, and, and unfortunately, too, like I said, for those echo chambers on social, it's really come down to just random opinions and shouting. I mean, it's become <laughs> political. You know, yeah. you, you see political things. It's just two sides yelling at each other. It doesn't. You're yeah. not solving anything. And you're also people. When we started this to back up, I I really hoped people would. Um, understand the facts more, you know, if, like you're saying, believe the science. Uh, it's not about that, but look at the facts, look at the testing, look at the real world results from that ambulance study that was done over 10 years with 10,000 people and 10,000 injuries. This data is unreal that we have and people just don't care. It's like, this is the most significant form of data 
that you could possibly create with this because, you know, our competitors and us, we can do stuff in a lab till we're blue in the face and it's very good. It's as accurate as we can make it for real world, but it's not real world. It, it validates what we have, mm-hmm. but it's not real world. You're not, you're, you're distilling all of the variables down to repeatable scenarios that you can get real numbers from. But in the real world, it's a wild west. You have every variable imagined, every scenario, every type of dirt, every skill level, every different yeah. type of impact. You know, you yep. know, through 10 years and 10,000 accidents, you cover all the bases. You're getting everything in there, and then you're getting averages as far as the results. And the proof is just overwhelming in favor of neck braces. And all these people talking about they don't work, this snake oil, blah, blah. Show me something that counteracts that data. They yeah, they can't. can't. They can't. Anything. They can't. No. All, all they can do is dis- try and dismiss the data that we have, but they're never actually producing any data of their own that shows the contrary. Right. They might have, oh, my buddy got injured and he did this. It's yeah. an anecdotal, one off things. And yeah, we can't stop all injuries. These things aren't perfect, and I'm very happy to admit that. But that doesn't mean that they're not beneficial. Well, you can get killed wearing and, a seatbelt in a car accident, too. You know, uh, absolutely. Yeah, like, yeah nothing's, it, it, nothing's perfect. You right. could be in a fire suit in a car and still burn to death. Like, there's there's a million examples of all of this stuff, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't try mm-hmm. and that we shouldn't keep improving these things. And, I mean, shit, look back, you know, several years of when these things first came out to what they are now. I mean, you're talking about a totally different thing. They're half the weight. They're less cumbersome. You know, we weeded out a lot of the early issues that people had with things. It's a much better product, just like anything. Yeah. You know, this category is really in its infancy still. You know, we're talking, you know, less than 15 years into this. Um, it took seatbelts 30 years, I think, to get past, you know, yeah. they fought in courts. People hated the idea of that. They thought it was going to kill everybody. And they had all this data, just like neck braces do. I'm sure they had more because of the, the scale. Yeah. But right. The, they had all this data that showed, hey, most of the time you're safer doing this. And in the seatbelt incident, you have instances like, you know, you drive off a cliff into water and now it's harder to get. OK, well, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that, that's a problem anyways. But, you know, you can you can dream up some scenario in which it might be a problem. Uh, for sure. No, like I, I said, over and above, the results are overwhelmingly positive and you know, uh, for collar for collarbones, even 45 percent less likely to break a collarbone while wearing one you, you know you have a shelf there and a big pad that protects you from that sharp rim of the helmet it helps yeah <laughs> like, it, it's just look at the numbers and look at the data um i agree and if people want to go listen to uh, dr chris lee it's podcast i did maybe like a month ago uh on the steve mathis show where this one will be posted uh go listen it's a great listen and chris doesn't promote lee it over over atlas or over a stars or anything else he just talks about neck braces in general and it's fantastic um podcast and in it he says he invited rhino to south africa on his dime he'll pay for it come out to south africa and look at the research and look at the data and if you still and that's the other thing yeah. where you see like this it's like a hard political stance it's, you know you look at politics and someone on either side you know if they were invited to go talk to it's like they rarely do it's like no we don't even want to hear it this yeah is our opinion yeah it's, and you're it's wrong and it's so hard line where it's like hey if you really want to tackle this issue or be educated on it look at both sides listen to the data let them show you he can come to our lab too i no problem it's right here in california maybe that's easier for him yeah but the we're happy to show you this stuff it's irrefutable you can look at it and go yeah (laughs) 
like it, it's it's just really difficult. But if he's unwilling to even look at the facts, that should tell you everything you need to know. I agree. I mean, we just went through a whole thing down here with the election and a stolen election, and it doesn't matter how many people come out and show people Republican-led uh, parties, uh, bipartisan uh, investigations. It's, some people just believe that it was stolen, and, and there's no science, there's no facts to back that up, and you just you just wonder where the hell are we headed as a society? Where the hell are we headed when 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 you know there's no proof on one side and there's lots of proof on the other side, and you don't you don't even care still. Like it's a greater society yeah, issue, and, you know. And for me, it's difficult because I know these devices do what they're intended to do. You know, they're not going to save every life. They're not, you know, we're yeah. doing the best that we can. We're trying to make the sport safer, which everybody is asking for, but everyone wants to ignore this because it's controversial. So it's a bit of a weird landscape to be in. And we're just trying to improve people's lives and keep them riding and, you know, keeping them happy yeah. and doing what they need to do. And, you know, having people like that or whatever that kind of stand in the way of that is at the end of the day, you're just hurting the sport. That's what I, that's, what's weird to me. It's like, you claim to love the sport so much. You want to help people. You want to do this. I mean, largely as a trainer, he should probably just stay out of things like this, but whatever. Yeah. Like I said, he's entitled to his opinion, but everyone's goal is to make the sport safer. Everyone wants to keep riding. Everyone wants, you know, all of these things to happen. So why stand in the way of that? Yeah, it's it's I, odd. I'm sure I'm sure if you talk to him, he would say, well, well, no, I am helping the sport because these things are dangerous. Or, but, you know, it exactly. Something, but exactly. It, it's, it's unfounded. Yeah. There's no proof of that. Um, AtlasBrace.com yeah. to learn more about the air or the vision. Um, also, uh, before we let you go here, Brady Sharon on the Fly Racing Racer X podcast, um, on a greater picture, uh, Atlas is just part of a distributor company that you also are a part owner of with 100% and Renthal and Works Connection and, and I'm sure some other brands that I'm, I'm forgetting. How's that going? How's the, I mean, look, Canada is Canada. It's a small off-road community. Like, there's only so many people who race and ride dirt bikes up there. There's more people in all of California than there is in all of Canada. Uh, yep. You know, just think of those kind of numbers. But how's things going on the distributor end in off-road up there? It's actually going fantastic. I mean, it, it's hard to keep things in stock. So along with those brands you mentioned, with Renthal Works Connection, 100%, um, Matrix Concepts is, is the name of the company. That's what we, the umbrella that we put everything under. So we have all the Matrix products. Um we also are the importer in Canada for Strider bikes, the little run oh, bikes yeah. for kids, yeah. pedalless ones. We're the importer for those, and we sell those um, you probably to an Amazon reseller. You probably it's, can't keep those in stock, I'm guessing. Oh, man, it is it is insane, just container after container going right. through there, especially out to Amazon and all these smaller you know, mm -hmm. um, kid stores and things like that. And, yeah, it's been, we sell to a, a big box chain, Mountain Equipment Co-op, MEC. Um, sell to them as well. And yeah, those are on fire. Everything's on fire. It's hard yeah. to keep everything in stock right now. I mean, it, even in Canada, you know, we talked to Galdi. I know he's been on here a bunch of times and at one of his races last week and he had over 700 entries. Yeah. Yeah. It's fantastic for the sport. It's so nice. I mean, I would hate to manage that day of, of racing. Yeah. It's well, really difficult, but, you know, what's funny is, but the, but the, but the, the national, the national series is, is, is in dire straits because of COVID they're all out back east, uh, um, and, and there's no title sponsor, and you know it just seems like a bit of a, uh, of a tumultuous time for pro racing in yeah. there. So, but but amateur stuff well, and enduros and everything else, yeah. Yeah, our government has been so difficult, and especially with outdoor events and things, it, you know, that's yeah. really a big challenge for them. But you know, for Ontario back there to have 
races now with 700 people. I mean, that's incredible. That's awesome. yeah. We have, we haven't seen numbers like that for a long time. I mean, you're talking seven, 900 entries. That was like yeah. the Walton national, the week long national, right. like our version of Loretta's um, had that type of entries. And now we're just getting that at a local race. Right. So that is so nice to see. And so many more people are in the sport. So many more bikes are being bought, you know, I just love seeing the resurgence and it's so nice for a change to not be, you know, kind of clawing and scratching to get some sales and things like that. You know, it's, it's nice to be, unfortunately the COVID part sucks, but being part of this wave where, you know, the sport seeing a resurgence is, yeah. is incredible. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the, the, your guys are all on the West coast there. You're far away from, from the rest of the country. The country Canada is so big, but, but yeah, business is, is going well than distributorship overall. Yeah, 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 definitely nice. no complaints Good. right now. If we can just make some stuff faster and get it into more people's hands, then even better. But uh, yeah, we're just going to keep doing yeah. our thing and trying to make the best products we can that cater to the widest variety of people. And you well, know, listen, help, uh, I, I don't know add if, to people's life. I don't know if you know this, but I, I was a big part in getting you guys Works Connection and you guys hooked up together. So um, you know, yep. just, just you know, FYI, <laughs> all your Works Connection do, do you sales, wanna, do, Pulp MX. So. Yeah, we'll send you. We'll send you a commission. Yeah, we'll thank make you. An affiliate code. Thank you. Yeah, I yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, well, you know what? Just take it out of Noof's salary. Take it out of Noof's money. It's fine. Yeah, he'll love that. No, he's fine. Does he? Does he? The, he finally got an office, so he's happy, right? He got an, his own office. He's had an office for years. Well, I, I thought it was only like a year or so ago. Was that? Was, no, he, longer he than puts that. On okay. A front. Okay. He Be puts on a front. No, he's had an office for five plus years. Okay. Oh, really? Yeah. Damn it! I thought it was oh, less yeah. than that. Okay, because at one point yeah, we, he, we, he was we, angry. He didn't have an office, so. <laughs> We just moved buildings. Um, no, other than the first, I mean, he was barely even there. But at the the second building we have, he had an, he had an office almost right away, and then we just moved buildings again. Oh, you did? Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's he's got a window. He can see into the warehouse. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, Shit, he's, he's got a window. He's, yeah. Oh, he's, yeah. He's moving up he's in the doing, world. He's doing fine. Yeah. <laughs> Noof's got a window, everybody. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, yeah. and, and also too, your dad, of course, uh, uh, a small ownership uh, in Mechanicsware for a long time, and still a distributor up there. How's that going? How's Mechanicsware Canada going? Uh, that's a separate deal, uh, but well, it's. I don't want to say it's not going, but no, they, they sold the company uh, in 2019 before oh. COVID hit. It was like mid-2019 that the, globally the company sold, yep. um, and uh, and he retired when that happened. He was kind of waiting for that. He knew it was coming, so he's like, I'll just wait for then, and I'm going to retire. I thought so, he was uh, still doing yeah, distributorship, he, 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 though. I thought he was still doing distributorship. No, no, okay. no well, he, right. what the way it was set up is he was partners. He was 50-50 partners with them for the Canadian entity. Yep, yep. Um, and he ran, that, he ran that for over 20 years. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, they sold, so he, he took that and he's the, retired. I might do a story on Mechanicsware one time. Obviously, we lost Jim Hale, uh, the owner of Mechanicsware. Yeah, that was really but, sad. But, but, but what a phenomenal company from a mechanics glove. Phenomenal. Yeah, it's spun, spun out of motocross. <laughs> you, which, totally. Which the fun part. Right. You know, so that, yeah, yeah, it's a really cool story. And them taking that one glove. And I remember when my dad partnered with them, I think it was like 97 or something when he started yep. with them. Mechanics actually started in 91, but he didn't jump yeah. in until 97. Yeah. And uh, yeah, back, I mean, back then early on, Jim Hale was still doing Renthal and all that and all those motocross and yeah. AXO yeah. in America. Yeah. And, they had this one glove, and it was literally part of their motocross catalog. Right, and then all of a sudden, next glove. Yeah, and it's just a multi then, multi million dollar business grows into that. Yeah, and then Brian Lunas and some of those other guys took it to NASCAR or Larry Nasta maybe, and so they had an in. Yeah. I forget how exactly it happened, and yeah. then it spun that off. And then they, I remember them. I was down in California at 
Jim's office when my dad was talking to them and they were talking about spinning it off in its own company. Like yeah. I got glimpses of that being part of it. Right. Super, right. super cool. And, um, and then seeing, you know, up till recently, you know, we'd come to Valencia and go to their headquarters yeah. and stuff and see the operation they have now. They got NASCARs in the lobby and stuff. I mean, yeah, it's so yeah. impressive. You, you, it's, uh, it, it's crazy. You look at Oakley. Oakley started motocross company, you know, motocross grips. Uh, yep. And you look at Mechanics Square starting uh, off as a motocross glove for, for you know, uh, greasy supercross and motocross mechanics. And a couple of companies yep. that are deep roots in moto, and they're just multi-billion dollar uh, companies now. So it's really, really neat. It, yeah, it's yeah, the unfortunate part is they all go out of the moto industry right. to get that. It's yeah, yeah, it's not possible to stay in the industry and get to that size, sort mm-hmm. of. But um, nevertheless, to see it spun out of this and you know some innovative guys that used to race and came up with products. I mean that that's really cool. It, it that, is that's Absolutely. super fun. I mean that that's I'm a younger version of that. Is what I'm trying to do. I used yeah. to race. I came up with the thing, and you know we're just trying to see where we can go with it. Absolutely. Well, good luck with the Atlas Vision, uh, the Atlas Air. Of course, you can use the Pulp of Mexico to save as well if you want to do that. Mm-hmm. If you're a listener, um, thanks for the support on the Pulp Show over the years. I really appreciate it. It's uh, it's been going well, Absolutely. and, and uh, having Noof come in the studio is is part of the uh, part of the allure and the fun of that. Um, and uh, so, good luck with this, and uh, thanks for coming on, Brady. I appreciate it, and thank you to all the listeners that that listen and support us. And uh, we're here for you, honestly. It's this isn't a, a selfish endeavor. This is you know simply a rider trying to make the sport a better place. I mean that's what everyone wants, and that's we're trying to do our part. Cool. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Storbeck is that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunas. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And McGill was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right. And, right. and he's got the thing. He's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't have been there. The Hurricane Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Poland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home. And once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take their money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse, you know, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Pro Circuits, Mitch Payton. 
There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I pulled pick and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. Been no problem. My my ego got in the way, you know. The O Show, Johnny O'Mara. Stuff that you could you sit there if you didn't even want to ride it. You just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in. I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes Store to enjoy these and over 800 great motocross podcasts. As the days and the months and the years go.